Hi, I'm Steve Thomas. This is Cacophony at the Women's Football World Cup, a glorious celebration of female musicians and their music from around the world. It's the turn of Canada, and we're joined by Melissa Hui, whose choices really ask us to listen carefully. I'm really enjoying making these podcasts, exploring music written by women from the countries taking part in the World Cup. I, for one, am learning loads. I hope you are too. And in this episode, composer Melissa Hui examines her chosen composer's influences and intentions. She's a professor of composition at McGill University in Montreal. But at the beginning of her musical journey, she didn't even like new music. I started as a pianist. And it was really as a lark that I actually entered into the Bachelor of Music program at the University of British Columbia, because I thought I would be pre-med. I had improvised a lot, but music was just something I did as a hobby. But then way led on to way, I took a world music course, and that showed me how different music could be, because as a pianist, I refused to play any new music. I had certain criteria of what I thought New music should be, which was based on all of the common practice music of what I played as a pianist. And of course, none of the new music adhered to any of these criteria. It didn't sound right, didn't have the right phrasing, it had wrong notes. I don't know what it was. But as a teenager, that was what I heard. And so it really was a world music course where I, was, I understood that it was not my culture. I understood that it was not what I knew. And then I was able to keep an open mind, and I loved it. Yeah. And to this day, that is my inspiration. I heard the polyphony of the Central African Republic people, vocal polyphony, beautiful. Then I remember going to Japan, seeing Gagaku Orchestra, and, and then jazz. So that's really where I came to composition, very roundabout way. That's a good way. And so then once you were at university or college, composition took off? I don't think I was particularly good. I took, I took an introduction to composition course. I was certainly not the better student there. I still hung on to the old ways, just couldn't get out mm -hmm. of my way. And then I decided to give it a chance. So I went to the BAM Center and then really wrote what was my first piece and that turned out well in that I had no guidance. I just went to the library every day and then started listening to any kind of music, contemporary music. There were composers there. I met Zanakis there. Zanakis mm. was my first live composer. I mean, imagine somebody yeah. not liking contemporary music. And Zanakis was our guest composer at BAM Center. And we heard three nights of Zanakis. So if you don't know Zanakis, he's at the quite avant-garde end of, of modern music. So as someone who doesn't like modern music, that's a deep end approach. Very deep. I was asked to play a piano piece and in each hand, there were two lines and each line was a different speed. It took me an hour and I couldn't get past the first bar because I wasn't trained like this at all. <laughs> but then something happened. He gave us a seminar and he explained why he did that. And it was because he didn't want the intersections of these lines to be predictable. And that made all the sense. And that's when I really 
thought, oh, okay, there's an intention behind each of these composers. He didn't mean to be difficult like this. There was yes. something behind this. Yeah, he just meant what he meant. He really did. And then I heard it the way he said, and I realized, oh, indeed, this really is the way. It made it very difficult. But then I heard the lines, the speeds. Fantastic. You've brought us a handful, a slightly bigger handful of music by your compatriots from Canada. So let's crack on. And the first piece is Anna Sokolovich and Golden Slumbers Kiss Your Eyes, which is a piece for voice and choir and orchestra. And it hits you right between the eyes. The first movement is what we're hearing. She's really become the one of the important voices of Canadian women. There are seven connected movements, so this is only the first movement. It's about four minutes long. She uses eight texts drawn from poetry in six languages. There's two in Serbian, two in Italian, English, German, Ladino, and then this French text is pretty well known and was very popular with the French Canadian fur traders, became the first national anthem of New France. Oh, really? And it's interesting because it does hit you in the eye. And strangely enough, it's not what you would think. It's how you would set the text. As I was walking by the clear fountain, I found the water so lovely I had to bathe. I loved you for so long, I will never forget you. That's the refrain. So it's about seeing somebody bathing, actually, or love and a nightingale singing. And your heart is made for laughing. This is the nightingale. Mine can only cry. I lost my love without deserving it because of a bouquet of roses. I refused him. What is interesting, though, is there's a hidden political meaning, which is why I think it hits you in the eye, because it just <laughs> keeps going. And <laughs> yeah. you think, well, this is a Beautiful lyrical poem. Why are you setting it like that? out that this was sung as a sign of resistance. The rose of the bouquet of flowers representing the British, the clear fountain, which is the St. Lawrence. I've loved you for a long time. I will never forget you. I think this is intended for France, the motherland, the land of Quebec mm. against the British that were invading and finally conquered. <laughs> to hear you say how sweet and lovely the poem is is quite quite a juxtaposition with the music and as you say the hidden message makes it make much more sense to me what she's known for is this amazing energy she came to give a talk and she just said she couldn't write quiet music and her personality is very much of this music a lot of rhythms interested in balkan folklore very visceral yeah oh visceral is a really good word for it yeah it's one of those pieces where having heard the opening four minutes, you really want to know what's coming next. Let's talk about Hildegard Vesterkamp. 
What I found interesting is that I ended up choosing half women who had immigrated, which is a very Canadian characteristic. Yeah. Yes. Hildegard Westerkamp was born in Germany, immigrated when she was 22. Very common young adult, just like Anna Sokolovich. Most of her works are electroacoustic. She's interested in noise, the acoustic environment, soundscapes. 1970s, she joined the World Soundscape Project, which was spearheaded by R. Murray Schaefer, the doyen of Canadian music. I ended up choosing the breathing room because it was one of the very few snippets I found that were short. And it was in a, and Hildegard is the oldest of the composers. She's now 77. This piece is 30 years old already. But yeah, it sounds very fresh. Very. She's been teaching acoustic communication, taps in on this whole aspect of, of recording soundscapes. She led public walks, trying to listen. So it reminds me a lot of the, the Pauline Oliveras as a sonic meditation, a, a mm. lot of a lot about listening. Is it entirely recorded sound? I believe so, yes. She records whether it's rural, urban, wilderness, soundscapes, manipulates that. It's very much her genre. When you talk about Hildegard Westerkamp, you're usually thinking of computer music, Mm -hmm. digital media. Yeah. And in the world of Nicole Lizet, we're also in the world of digital media. Very much. Her influences are MTV videos, DJ turntablism, rave culture, all the old movies, Hitchcock, Kubrick, thrash metal. When she came to study in Montreal, she was in an indie rock band, video games. She grew up with a father who was an electronics retailer and a repairer. So that explains everything about Nicole Lisée because of this idea of all of these electronic sounds, all these electronic machines that were broken. So she talks about drawing inspiration from these glitches made by outmoded and well-worn technology. And then how do you capture Which it? Which she'd have seen all the time in her dad's shop. Exactly. And I think the idea that she can actually notate them, notate these glitches integrate them into live performance. She's also a video artist. So the piece I chose, the Hitchcock Etudes, is for piano, soundtrack, glitch, (laughs) and film, composed in 2010. And yeah, so you, you see the film as well. And at different parts, she actually puts herself in the film, I believe. Like Hitchcock used to. Yeah, I think so. So the idea was that she took It was middle period Hitchcock films, and then she splices extracts of these together, deconstructed, damaged. She talks about what do you do when you watch fragments of the film or the film score, 
So the Bernard Herrmann score is also treated, let's say, yep. in the Lise way. What happens? It degrades, it bleeds, it slurs, it slides, it's all these, because we're looking at analog media. It really is, yeah. So we're going to hear the first two sections of the Hitchcock Etudes, which are Saul Bass, which is in and around the world of Psycho, and Doris Day. And I don't know what the Doris Day film is, but maybe you will when you're listening to it at home or watching it at home. If you know and it springs to mind, drop us a comment at cacophonyonline.com and tell us. It's a very disconcerting listen and watch. <laughs> yes. Becca Sims and one of her series of skinscapes. She has written four solos now with electronics, starting in 2017, which is the skinscape that I chose for amplified flute and electronics. And the last one was in 2022. So it's very possible that she will continue these. Another native of Canada, born and raised in Newfoundland, moved to Toronto where she completed her master's and her doctorate. Now she's based in Glasgow as a lecturer at uh, Royal Conservatory of Scotland. I, I like this quote where people described her music as cacophonous, jarring, oppressive, and of sonic complexity. Mm. So she talks about being fascinated and terrorized by the whole universe. Her work is often filtered through the personal lens of her anxiety, resulting in nervous, messy, and frequently heavy electroacoustic musical landscape. How do you go about creating your electronic backing for a piece like the Skinscape? Hildegard Westerkamp is pure. Yes. She's just recording the sound environments, putting a frame around what is. And I see with Nicole Lise, here's Hildegard Westerkamp at 77, Nicole at 50, is manipulating, deconstructing, taking source material that is pre-existing. So very much from quotation collage, yeah, right? Taking from an earlier aesthetic. <laughs> and Becca, it, that, it sounds like she's actually creating in the studio. Maybe she's recording, taking ideas like the others, but not taking from yeah. source material. She takes and she manipulates and or she makes. 
And then that mixes with the amplified flute where she's using techniques in an unconventional, untraditional way. And she's using all the other sounds, all these extended techniques. So that in turn blurs the boundary between the amplified and the more traditional flute music moments in the piece. Yeah, I do think, though, the generations now, they see it as a whole. They hear the whole sound and they're concocting very holistically, I think. Yeah. Thinking of the resultant sound. Great. Let's move on to An Abundance of Insects by Barbara Asiganak. I happened across this piece by Barbara. Barbara used to be known as Kroll but she's First Nations, classically trained, uh, France, Germany, in Canada. Most of her commission pieces are longer. Yep. I was so overjoyed to find this little piece. She is 57 now and a child of a residential school survivor and a descendant, ah. a d direct descendant of hereditary chiefs who fought and signed these treaties against the colonial settlers. So we have everything. Right? Yes. We have a direct descendant of uh, First Nations chiefs, native-born Canadians yeah. and immigrants. It's really Canadian. Um, so she also performs um, in the traditional way and composes that way. I really enjoyed this. There's a beautiful simplicity and honesty to it. The movement that we're going to listen to is called Water Striders, which we call over here Water Boatmen, the little insects that walk on water. And that was really what I found very attractive, the simplicity, the way the pitches worked with each other, the horizontal component. It was really new and old, right? A, a new way of yeah. presenting music that was consonant and dissonant. It was really about the friction, about the push and pull. That sounds like describing water striders. Yeah. Let's talk about Zosha de Castri. So Sasha is 38 now. She is really in an ascendant career. She really came to international prominence when an orchestral work was performed at the proms in 2019. Since then, she has won a Guggenheim Fellowship. She's won an American Academy of Arts and Letters Award this year. I found this little miniature. It's called Pentimento written last year. And again, she talks about using digital audio interface to construct her works. Again, very visceral, she's shaping. She certainly knows how to notate, but she notates after. She actually explained this to us. She gave a talk recently at McGill and then she was a little embarrassed to admit it because her teachers told her not to do that. <laughs> But it's certainly working well because I think, again, the, the dramatic pacing works very well. And she's able to come up with these ideas 
not bound by the the perhaps the metrical yeah. grid of notation. Yeah. going to finish with you your vocal work for voice and ensemble lacrimosa the setting of words from the traditional requiem mass i love setting latin text english is probably the hardest it works very well for pop rock but latin lends itself to illusions to to different ways of setting very flexible. Perhaps it's because I don't speak it. Maybe I'm doing it all wrong. <laughs> but I had always wanted to set this text, Lacrimosa. And so when I was given this opportunity with a soprano, clarinet, piano, very intimate mm. kind of ensemble, I determined that this had to be the way. And there's an interesting story. It was part of a prize and it was supposed to be eight to 12 minutes. And initially the piece was about eight to nine. And then I scrapped two minutes of what I felt was some of the most beautiful music that I had mm. written. It was very painful, <laughs> but it became clear. And, and I think it's been very instructive ever since that less is more. And I like to be very economic. I don't want to put more into the piece if I don't need to. And so this piece is very spare. And what I scrapped was a second climax, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I think what I realized formally was that this was really more of a short story. And it needed to be a miniature. And that there was only one peak, one rise and yeah. fall. And the dramatic arc was really messed up when I had this other part. I really didn't want to take it out. But I did. And then I submitted this piece and they said, that's too short. <laughs> and I said, I can put in the other two minutes, but it's a better piece. I assure you when it's six minutes rather than eight. I'm almost always in favor of shortness. With really great pieces of music, you feel that there's no extraneous material. You yeah. Know. And I think in literature as well, I am partial to poetry rather than prose. Yeah. I like things that are implicit. That could be cultural. I have been asked this, right? That, that could be cultural because I usually say in Chinese culture, the poetry is the more famous, let's say, more renowned literature. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I've been living in Quebec now almost 20 years and I see that there are, whatever, 19 tenses in French. And some of the most renowned literature yeah. are the long novels. So I think music is a manifestation of the culture, perhaps of the, the values. And I believe the Chinese value this implicitness, this simplicity. Mm. We don't think of it as simple. 
we think of it as profound. There's so much complexity in that simplicity because you can read things so many different ways. So, yeah, I would say that's very much my aesthetic. That I like things to be very spare. Great. Hopefully concise. Yeah. I love Lacrimosa. It's one of those pieces where you don't want to hear anything after it. I think you're really going to enjoy hearing that in full. It's the last piece in Melissa Hui's playlist of Canadian composers, her own Lacrimosa. And it's a playlist full of new music that really rewards concentrated listening. All we need to do is have open ears and to pay attention. Thanks so much to Melissa for coming on, choosing the pieces and for her thoughtfulness and insight. You'll find her complete playlist linked in the show notes Have a listen and then tell us what you think. You can leave a comment, even a simple voice message, at cacophonyonline.com or tell us something on social media. Join us for more insights from leading female composers and musicians and please, please play along with the Women's World Cup of Classical Music where pieces of music written by women from the countries in the World Cup football are paired up. You listen and vote for your favourites. If you're subscribed, you won't miss a thing. So come back for more, and thanks for listening.